Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, open our ears, open our minds, and open our hearts to the word you have for each and every one of us this day. And as I, your servant, stand before you, I pray that I would decrease, that you would increase. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. We began today's service with the opening lines of our baptismal liturgy. And we looked at this invitation that we have, that as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, it is through the baptism of our Lord that we are initiated into Christ's holy church. And we went on to say that it is that act of baptism that incorporates us into the work of salvation and the new birth that Jesus Christ gives to each and every one of us. And so this whole month, as we're looking at the words of our baptismal liturgy, and we're looking at the scriptures and some of the common hymns and, and popular music that we have in our hymnals around baptism, we're going to be understanding more about what that means to be a part of the body of Christ. I really want to encourage you, uh, as you're going through and hearing these sermons, to take notes. Uh, and we have a Q&A section in the back of the reading guide, so you're going to find a lot of the answers to some of those questions there. But it's important for us to understand baptism because in the United Methodist Church, we only have two sacraments. That means holy sign acts that God has given to us to help us know and understand who Jesus Christ is. They're things that Jesus told us to do in his name. And so what's the first one? We're talking about it right now. Baptism. baptism. And second, communion. holy communion. That's right. It's in those two sacraments that we really feel the power and the presence of the holy. They're mysterious in a lot of ways. And they are also the sacraments that divide us most in the church of Jesus Christ, as various denominations have, have understandings of what they believe about communion and baptism. And so we're going to be unpacking some of that. So not only will we understand our own faith and beliefs a little bit better, but we're also going to know what it is our neighbors believe uh, and, and how we differ in, just in some ways. Now, the thing that we have to remember most about baptism and the sacrament of communion as well is that both of them are gifts to us. They are presents that God gives to us so that we can know and experience God's grace. That's the, the, the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. And even though we're all sinners, even though we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, through baptism and Holy Communion, we're given the opportunity to live a new life, a life of freedom through Jesus Christ. And so Romans 6 is where we're beginning because it helps us understand a little bit more about how baptism incorporates us into God's mighty acts. 
It's through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when we started our reading today, we had this question about whether we should continue to sin so that grace will multiply. Now think about it this way. If you do something wrong and you get forgiven, do you do the wrong thing again so that you can be forgiven again? No. no. Now, it would be pretty good, a pretty good thought and, and logic and say, well, I want all of God's grace and forgiveness I could ever get, so I'm going to just commit all the sins I can think of so God can keep pouring out forgiveness. That's kind of a sophomore way to think about it, Amen. Because the truth is, when we recognize the forgiveness that God gives to us, it should break our hearts a little bit. It should make us pause and say, my Lord and my God, who am I that you're mindful of me? Who am I that even though I have done this and this and this and this, you still love me? You still gave Jesus Christ for my sins so that I could experience forgiveness and freedom from that thing that shackles me. So we should be a little bit broken when we think about the sacraments to recognize that God is giving us this wonderful blessing in our lives, even though we don't always deserve it. Most of the time we don't deserve it. But God gives it to us nonetheless and incorporates us into this family of God's. And so Paul is telling the church in Rome that when we have, when we have been incorporated into the body of Christ, we have died to sin. And so if we recognize that we've died to sin, how can we keep living in it? He says, don't you know that all who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried together with him through baptism into his death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too can walk in the newness of life. The scripture tells us that we are united through this act. And this is a really important word that, that comes up here. It's a Greek word called symphytos. And it's actually a horticulture metaphor. Now, I know some of you are wonderful farmers and wonderful, uh, have beautiful green thumbs, and I tend not to have that gift. That's why I praise God for all of you who do. But this word symphytos talks about being one with, being united planted together, joined. It's a metaphor that is often used to talk about the sanctification process, how we become more and more holy like God. And it's actually, um, in the old King James Version, it says, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. And so in ancient times, and often in, in um, horticulture today, there's a thing called companion planting. And that means that you take two different types of plant and you plant them together because they, they help to enhance one another. So an example of this is, I understand, it is useful to plant cabbage and mint together. 
And I would say, doesn't that make the cabbage taste kind of minty fresh? I don't know. I'm not very good with, with those sorts of things. But it's that there, there are lots of ways you can pair things together because the special benefit of one plant will help the other plant to grow. Because one might ward off pests and another might and might give the right kind of shade for another people. So it's this idea that we, we are planted together. That's how we grow best in the kingdom of God. And so we understand that when we come together in the scripture, when we understand that baptism is a unification of us with Jesus Christ, it's understanding that not only are we united with Christ, we're united with each other. We're together on this journey of faith together alongside each other. Now, one area where we will differ with many other denominations is that for us, baptism is the beginning of a lifelong faith process. It's one of our marks that is different because we will baptize infants and children and anybody of any age who comes to present themselves for this sacrament. Now, in some faiths, like our, our Baptist brothers and sisters, they would often see baptism as sort of a crowning achievement, that when you have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you are baptized as a believer. And for some of them, it's an experience where essentially you're getting your ticket punched in order to go to heaven. So it's also something that you would repeat over and over again if you were, say, someone known as a backslider, where you have fallen away from the faith, then you would have this opportunity to be baptized again to start afresh. Now, that's different from what we understand in the United Methodist tradition about baptism. Because for us, baptism is this gift that God gives to us that God never takes away. We can remember our baptism and be thankful for it. But it is this gift that we have not purchased by our acts. All we have to do is receive the blessing that God is giving to us. And baptism will happen at any time in our lives, but it's only once in a lifetime for us. Now, some of the symbolism that we use in baptism really it lends itself to this understanding of dying with Christ and being raised again. An example of this is if we were to baptize someone, in our church we do baptisms in three different ways. You can sprinkle the water on, because that reminds us that it doesn't matter how much water is used, any water will do. It's the power of God at work that, that brings the, this gift to the people. So we can sprinkle water, or you can pour water, or you can be baptized by immersion. Have any of you ever been baptized by immersion? You raise your hand if that's how you experienced it. Now, one of the things that will happen if you're baptized by immersion uh, where you're dumped under the water, is the posture that you take is very symbolic of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. An example of this is that you would cross your arms over your chest. Now that's not just to keep you from flailing in the water and knocking out the minister that's baptizing you. No, it symbolizes your death. 
You cross your arms over your chest the same way that you would be laid out in a casket. And when you're put backward under the waters, that moment when you go below the surface, it's as if you die. And I've seen people before being baptized that way who are terrified of water. And you would think you were killing them because they approach the waters and say, Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, my Lord, my God, because they're so afraid of the water. And then they're dumped. And they come up and they're startled. They realize that they have overcome their greatest fear. That they have laid that, that, that fear of water that they had, they've laid it at the altar of Jesus Christ, and they've embraced this new life that God has given them. And they really emerge from that, that fashion, that font, or from the river, has changed people. It's a beautiful sight to see. But it's very much a symbolism of dying and raising again to be put under the water and lifted back up. Um, we also find this symbolism when we come to the Holy Communion table. Because when we break the bread and we celebrate communion by intention, where in some traditions sometimes we will break the bread and dip it into the cup. When we dip the bread in, it is like we're remembering the baptism, the body going under that, that juice and coming up again. It reminds and links together these two sacraments. So that's a very important way that we can recognize God at work in this act of baptism. So I want you to journey with me this entire month. We're just getting a taste of baptism up front here today um, because the real presence of Christ that we witness is most going to be at the table in Holy Communion in a few moments. But I will encourage you to explore these resources that we've given you, the question and answer. Um, we are inviting you to host a meetup or... You can attend Pastor John's class on Tuesday evenings that has to do with baptism so that you can keep learning about our understanding. But truly, this is a season for you to come and present yourself for, holy, for this holy sacrament of baptism if you have never been baptized. Now, in the early church... It was an understanding that only baptized believers would come for Holy Communion. In the Orthodox Church, even today, there is an official office of the church known as the janitor. And the janitor's job was to guard the doors and there's a part in the service where they say, the doors, the doors, because there's holy mystery that takes place behind the doors. But that's because, remember, when the church was in persecution, when it was not safe to be out in the community as a Christian because of fear of, of being arrested or, or experiencing um, being killed for your faith, uh, there was this understanding that only those who were baptized and initiated into the community of faith could receive Holy Communion. 
So even today, in some of those traditions, like my niece and nephew in Canada are baptized Serbian Orthodox. And when a baby is baptized, they receive their first Holy Communion after their baptism. They give it to them on a little spoon, a little silver spoon, with the bread dipped in the wine right then and there. That's not how we understand baptism and communion to work. Both of them in our tradition are means of grace. That means they're both offered to us without price. So you don't have to be baptized to come and receive Holy Communion. You don't have to be a member of our church to come and receive Holy Communion. The hope is that through the power of the Holy Spirit, as you receive the sacrament of communion, you may feel so stirred and so led that you want to be baptized. But we have an open table. And so I say, the Lord be with you. And also with you, Mother. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks.